Welcome to another episode of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. Kickers were a big part of last week's Eastern Illinois football game at Tennessee State. So this week on episode 34, we visit with former Panthers kicker Ray D'Alessio. D'Alessio kicked for the Panthers in the late 1980s and was part of the Panthers' 1989 NCAA FCS playoff team. Following his playing career, he moved into a career in television, first starting in Terre Haute, before later moving to a 10-year career at CNN. He now works as an anchor and show producer at Georgia Farm Monitor. EIU Panthers podcasts are available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Simply search EIU Panthers podcast today and subscribe to start listening to previous episodes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics. Learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business by visiting consolidated.com today. In EIU Athletics news this week, sports are in full swing on the Eastern Illinois campus with baseball, softball, and tennis well underway in their spring seasons. Volleyball will wrap up its final home matches this upcoming weekend, while the outdoor track teams will be the final EIU teams to return to action for the 2020-21 school year. Football is set to play their second of four home games this weekend, while men's and women's soccer both have reached the halfway points in their spring schedules. To stay up to date on all the scores and schedules for EIU Athletics this spring, be sure to visit us online at eiupanthers.com or you can visit us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former EIU kicker and now TV host Ray D'Alessio. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by former Eastern Illinois kicker and now a a, a media personality, we'll call him. He's going to laugh a little <laughs> bit in the background as I call him that. But as we go through and you, we talk to him today, you'll 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 understand why I do why I say that. Ray D'Alessio is our guest today on the podcast. Good to see you, or good to hear. Well, good both to see you and hear you, Rich. I guess because uh, you know we're doing this on Zoom as well. So, uh, but good to see you and, and talk to you. Okay, first question I'm going to start with here. I've, I've, and I want to, you can answer me. I never asked you this. We've known each other for, for a number of years now. Sure. I've always called it Ray D'Alessio. I've heard people call it D'Alessio, but I also know since you went into TV, I don't, is it, <laughs> which of the two is it? And did you maybe change it so it sounded better on TV? <laughs> all the years, uh, all my football years, Rich, uh, I got, you know, D'Alessio, Delicano, um del CEO, delicious i mean you name it and it got it got butchered every which way um the cor- correct pronunciation is delessio okay um and a I'm lot of the one East- one there. <laughs> yes so you're one for one and there were there were times uh there were times like like coach boo he called me he called me correctly um i can't remember if coach smith called me delessio or delessio but a lot, i got delessio a lot in my career so um you know, the East, a lot of the East Coast Alessios um, spell it with two S's. And ours was always with technically, officially, it's with one S. But I always said when I got my first TV job that I'm going to add another S to it so people pronounce it correctly. Uh, needless to say, that was kind of a, um, a sticky little thing with the family. A lot of people didn't like the fact I added a NES because they're like, that's not your name. And I was like, yeah, well, okay, you'll understand. But, and it's funny because, you know, as you know, my daughter runs track now at Carson Newman University and 
her name gets butchered too. <laughs> so it runs in the family then. So. Yeah, so it runs in the family. So now she's, uh, you know, now she's experiencing as well. And uh, and now she understands why I, I added an S to my name for TV purposes. But yes, it is technically D'Alessio with one S. Okay. And you mentioned TV. We're going to talk a little bit about, about your mm-hmm. TV career. You're, um, you worked at CNN. That's kind of where I met you here as an Eastern mm-hmm. alum. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about your career there, how you got into that. Um, we'll also throw out a name that other people know, will know Larry Smith and his connection and how, how you guys are, are tied together. But we'll go back. We'll start with your, your kicking career here at Eastern. So you were a kicker. I know right. you have, have an affinity for kickers. I know you're, you're a Colts fan and you absolutely love Blankenship. I think he may be your, your current favorite player of all time from what I see on, he is. on social media. So what got you into wanting to be a kicker? Did, were you, did you play football small at it when you were smaller? And at some point in time, somebody said, hey, Ray, you just need to kick the ball. You're not big enough to be anywhere else. No, you know what happened, Rich? You know, pretty much uh, through all my youth league years, I was always the biggest kid on the team, uh, you know, especially like the travel leagues and the and the weight leagues where you had to weigh in every week. I was the biggest kid. I was always the kid that had to cut weight and starve myself and dehydrate myself at the last minute to try to make weight. And as I got older, every level I moved up, well, especially when I got to, like when I got to high school, because I started high school in Long Island, New York, and I was one of the biggest kids on my freshman football team. Then I moved to Decatur, Illinois, and I was one of the smallest kids. And it, it certainly gave now I understood what they meant by the old saying corn fed kids, because when I got to Decatur, Illinois, these were some big dudes. I was like, what, what happened? And I wasn't the biggest kid anymore. I was one of the smaller kids. And after a while, you get yourself knocked silly um, <laughs> on the football field, you realize I might need to make a career change or I might need to switch positions. And I had always messed around with kicking throughout, you know, the youth leagues. Uh, and, but finally in high school, what happened was how it started. Uh, I broke my hand, just a uh, non non football related injury. I broke my hand. And so I was out three weeks and I, but I still showed up to practice and, you know, as any, any kid would, would know, it kind of gets boring every so often, just kind of standing out there. So I started messing around, kicking a football and the coach was like, well, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't realize you can kick. I'm like, well, I didn't either. It's been so long since I kicked. And the coach told me when you, uh, when you return, I want you to start kicking. I said, okay. And this was my sophomore year at Eisenhower high school in Decatur, Illinois. Um, and then my junior year of the, the head coach at the time, Steve Smith, he, um, and to be quite honest, I wasn't even going to play football. I was going to take a year off because I had been playing since I was seven. And uh, Coach Smith, he says, no, you need to come out. You know, I've got I, I want you to be my kicker out here. He bought me one of the very first uh, patented, you know, holders. Like you see the guys on the sidelines now, they've got those holders. Um, this was one like that was spring loaded that popped up. And um, we, we, we took it to every game with us. It went everywhere with me. It had its own seat on the bus. And we affectionately named it Ray Jr. So, um, you know, that really kind of got the ball rolling, uh, started seeing, you know, the, the, the distance and the leg strength and, and increase. And that's when I pretty much said to myself, you know, I think I can do this in, in college. And he helped me try to get to a college. And, you know, I went the junior college route, junior college route for the first two years, Illinois Valley Community College. And uh, while I was up there is when um, probably a lot of people remember former Purdue head coach Daryl Hazel. Um, he was also Ohio State's uh, offensive coordinator, I, I think, for a while. Um, he's the one that recruited me to Eastern. And um, he actually went to my high school 
looking for, he was looking for, I believe it was a receiver, a running back and a place kicker. And coach Smith said, well, look, I don't have any kickers here, but one of my former players is up at Illinois Valley, uh, brought me in for my recruiting visit one weekend. And I was, I was sold, you know, I fell in love with coach Spoo, fell in love with the coaching staff, coach Spack, of course, who's now the, uh, head football coach at Illinois State. Um, he was linebackers coach at the time at Eastern and also uh, special teams coach. So he was my coach, you know, my junior and senior, the, my junior, senior year there at Eastern. And, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. So I, I just kind of went in there with the mindset that, uh, you know, I transferred in my junior year, wanted to win the job um, and uh, stayed there all summer, the summer of 89, worked out in the field, worked out in the weight room and, um, you know, just uh, like I said, I was I was intent on winning that job and uh, everything lined up and I did. And uh, the rest of they say is history and just, uh, you know, amazing, amazing memories, Rich. I know every time we talk, I always have war stories for you. Um, but a lot of people might think, oh, he's living in the past. No, that means that you just had a really good experience at the college that you went to and you have a lot of respect for it and you've got some good memories. But I've officially become that guy. OK, <laughs> you know what that guy is? That guy is things like this when they're like, wait, who's, oh, that's that guy from like third that played 30 years ago. <laughs> and I was putting two and two together. Yeah. It's been what, 31 years, yep. I think since I've played. And, you know, I remember when I was at Eastern and they would have these old timers come back and, I, and I'd look at them and be like, man, that dude is old. What's he doing back here? Uh, so I've officially become that guy, you know, that, that I used to kind of make fun of, but it's, it's all good. It's all fun. Um, you know, and like I said, I've just, you know, any, any time I see anything to do with Eastern Illinois, cherish those memories. And, um, it, it, there was a, I, I still remember every single game. I still remember, um, every single, you know, a, a lot of the practices. We used to have a lot of fun in practices, conversations with coach Spoo, conversations with the coaching staff, the road trips. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. It was just some great memories. Now, I was, wasn't going to date you there, Ray, but you kind of dated yourself. You, you yeah. mentioned the, the years you kind of played. You were there mm -hmm. really at the start of Coach Boo's tenure as they were getting it going. And your senior year was the first kind of really breakthrough year that they had under Coach Boo. They made it to the quarterfinals. That was um, and, that was actually my junior year. That was my okay. Yeah, that was my junior year when I transferred in. And how about that? You know, I come in from a junior college. Um, and our first year, uh, you know, we, we went all the way to the quarterfinals and – uh, knocked off Idaho that year or yeah, knocked off Idaho and John freeze was their quarterback. We went in there and really upset them. Um, Eric Arnold, our quarterback at the time, as a matter of fact, he, he lives in here in, in Atlanta. So I, I talked to Eric still occasionally. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was right in the heyday when coach Boo first started. Now I was going to ask you about that kind of, you played through those couple of years there. You played with some characters too. John Yurkovic would be one a lot of name. There, there's some other guys too, but that's a name that kind of quickly comes to mind for people, and especially in the Chicagoland area and Eastern. Yurko. Kind of, you know, you know, his his big personality and kind of was was the team made up of a lot of guys like that, or is he kind of just unique? <laughs> John, I mean, John was unique, still is unique. Uh, you know, I catch him from time to time on the internet and um, occasionally I'll, you know, I'll, I'll hit him up on Twitter. I haven't done it in a while. Um, but, you know, John was just, John was just an overall good guy, you know, and that was the thing about that team, Rich. There was no, there was no clicks on that team, um, you know, on the road, whether it be on the road, whether, you, you know, back home in Charleston, there wasn't any clicks. It wasn't, yeah, defensive backs hung with defensive backs. Lyman hung with Lyman. 
um, everybody hung with everybody. And, and Yurko was that way. I mean, he was just, you know, especially for somebody, you know, especially for, you know, a, a kicker, as you know, kickers are kind of different breeds. Um, they tend to some, well, not anymore, but you know, back then they used to be like the smallest guy on the team. Now you've got kickers that are bench pressing 400, you know, they're the overall athlete now can bench press four or 500 pounds can squat, you know, 650 or something like that. Back then though, um, you know, the kicker was a little bit of a, a different breed, you know, Kevin Butler who played for the bears, obviously. And, you know, he's, he's a, he's a coach now, a part-time coach here at the UGA. Um, he was my idol back then. And, and the thing I liked about Butler is Butler had attitude. He had, you know, charisma, he had machismo, as I like to say. Um, and truth be told, I kind of patterned myself after him, even my senior year in 1990, I took his number, you know, had the rolled up sleeves, had the, had the wristbands. So I don't know. You know and, and if a guy got mouthy with me on the football field, I'd get mouthy right back. And, you know, if a, like a defensive, an opposing defensive lineman wanted to kind of, you know, talk smack with me on the field, try to get in my head. If I was kicking an extra point or field goal, you know, I get right back, talk smack with them back. And maybe that kind of earned respect with guys like Yurko and other players. Um, but it, I just, I don't ever remember, you know, any kind of clicks. Everybody just got along. You know, I hung out, hung out with the linemen and linemen hung out with wide receivers. It was just, it was one cohesive unit and, and Yurko, um, he was the classic, you know, class clown, the, the personality that you see on the radio up in Chicago. Now, um, that was the Yurko that we all knew and loved and, and, and we still love. And, um, you know, he was just an over, and plus he respected his playing because the guy, you know, and, and you know how bad his knees were. I mean, his knees were just completely true. He had knees. I, you know, somebody told me one time, I think he had knees of like a 70 year old man, you know, and here's a 20 something year old kid. Um, but you know, you would have never known it cause he never complained, never, never, uh, took a playoff. You know, he would just go out there and would tough it out. And you, you just respected that you respected his personality. You respected his play on the field and he was just a great teammate to have. Now, in case you guys haven't noticed, Ray can talk. That's yes. One of the, that's one of the things that, that, <laughs> that Ray and I have got to know each other over a couple of years, but that's one of the things that kind of got him into the, into the, the field that he's in now is the ability to talk, the ability to be able to communicate with people. You, you moved into TV. You got a career early on. I think you started in Terre Haute, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. with one of your early jobs. But you would have got your, your grounding here at WIU. What kind of made you interested and pushed you in the direction of realizing that, you know, I may want to do something in TV? Or is that, did that, I guess, how did that come about for you? No, I actually started when I when I transferred into Eastern. Um, I was a sports medicine athletic trainer major, uh, major, and um, kind of uh, did stuff under Rob Doyle. Uh, I'm sure you remember Rob Doyle. Did stuff under him. Had him for some classes, and um, just the first year that I was there, you know, you had to get so many hours in the training room, and I was struggling getting my hours in the training room while trying to play football at the same time the anatomy classes, you know, pulling the all-nighters, you know, just studying for all those uh, anatomy classes. And, and, I, and I just, I guess I had that uh, epiphany one day. I said, you know, what, what else am I going to do? You know, this is what I want to do. And um, the Mike Leff, who used to work at uh, WAND there in my hometown, Decatur, Illinois, he would come down for, uh, you know, to interview me. Chris Whitlick, you know, would come down. Who's now in Indianapolis, uh, a sports anchor in Indianapolis, yep. would come down from Champaign. And uh, so I got to know those guys real well. And I remember just going back home for uh, Thanksgiving break, 
asking Mike if I can come back and watch a newscast one night because it always kind of interested me. And he, I, I watched the newscast, uh, you know, in the studio there and fell in love with it, Rich. I mean, just fell in love with it. I knew what a pro, I knew what a great program um, Eastern Illinois had and that they had their own TV station. They did their own, their own stuff. So um, when I got back from break, I walked into uh, WEIU, Sue Kaufman was there, John Eisenhower was there, talked to them, said, hey, look, you know, uh, when I get done playing, you know, is, is there any way I can, you know, come in here, start taking classes? I'd like to switch my major. And uh, they said, absolutely. You know, whenever you get done, uh, whenever you get done, you know, uh, with your you know, football obligations, um, we'd love to have you. He's like, we're going to have a lot of people graduating. So when I got done playing fall of 1990, I started at uh, EIU in um, January 1991, which um, that's 30 years this this, you know, this past January. So I've technically been in the broadcasting business for 30 years. Uh, and that's where it started. That's where I, you know, created my chops was at EAU. Phenomenal station, phenomenal place. Um, Kelly Runyon, who's, uh, I believe, I think she still goes by Kelly Runyon. I can't remember. But um, Kelly, who is uh, the director of the station there now, Kelly and I went to college together. We anchored together in college. So, um, and and you you did a lot of stuff. I had to go out. I had to produce a nightly sportscast. Um, and it really kind of built that foundation and getting us ready for, you know, the real world of TV. And of course that's, you mentioned Larry Smith, that's where Larry and I met. Um, and we had always joked one day, it would be great to, uh, to work together in some capacity. And we did at CNN, but yeah, and as soon as I got done at, at, uh, EIU, um, you know, a month later I was working, got my first uh, weekend sports job in Terre Haute, Indiana, and, uh, just, you know, kind of worked my way up put my time in and uh, wound up and from uh, Terre Haute went to Toledo, Ohio, then from Toledo, Ohio was in Indianapolis for a while. Um, and then, you know, wound up down here in uh, at CNN and has worked at CNN Louisville. And uh, so still, still going strong. Now you talk about that and then you kind of jumped around there for me a little bit, but where you and I got to know each other, other than being, you, you being an Eastern alum is when you were in CNN, mm -hmm. I came down there and you were nice enough to give us the, the tour of the studio and i'm gonna probably get in trouble here but my wife knew i had a you were at the time you were working on the morning express show and i had a crush on, on robin mead who was your your co-host and luckily sure. she probably wasn't there for me and my wife he <laughs> got in trouble with my wife at, at, at that time but how did how you, you you mentioned larry smith larry was already there i'm guessing larry was kind of instrumental in helping you kind of kind of get there and then tell us a little bit about how that transition happens Larry was more than instrumental, Rich, um, as, you know, as things would happen in the business, <clears throat> excuse me, as things, you know, sometimes happen in a crazy world of TV. Um, when I was in Indianapolis, a uh, new news director come in, came in, different philosophies, my contract wasn't renewed. So I was out of work and out of TV for about 18 months. I was selling cars up at um, Bill Esta Chevrolet in Indianapolis. And uh, Larry called me one day and said, hey, he goes, uh, just to give you a heads up. And, and Larry and I had always stayed in touch over the years. He said, look, they're revamping, you know, CNN Sports. They're revamping headline news. Um, they're going to be adding five new sports anchors to headline news. Why don't you send me your tape and um, I'll, I'll walk your tape in and, you know, and put in a good word for you. And I had actually interviewed for CNN when CNN SI was up and running. I had interviewed with them in 2000 
And right after I had interviewed with them, Time Warner came in, they had had a bunch of layoffs. So nothing really happened. Well, Larry went in there and, and you know, dropped my tape off again, said, look, you know, Ray's hungry. I, I think he'd be a good hire. I'll vouch for him. And, um, you know, next thing I know, uh, I was getting a call because I had an agent at the time. Next thing I know, um, he called me and says, hey, I need you to stand by the phone today. I said, why? He says, there might be some developments. I go, where? He goes, CNN. I go, no way. He goes, yeah. And I go, well, what about, are they going to bring me back down for another interview? He says, no, um, they already know how hungry you are. He goes, you have no negotiating power, whatever I get you. I, and I was like, I don't, I look, if I got to work for free for the first month to prove myself, I will. <laughs> um, and next thing I know, he called me, he says, um, go turn in your resignation to uh, the car dealership. He says, you start in 10 days at CNN. Um, and yeah, after, after a lot of, uh, tears, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like I called Larry, I'm like, I love you, man. You're the best. I love you. Um, so that he, he was, he was more than instrumental in getting me down there. And one of the first things, and Larry and I talk about this, about this all the time. Um, and Larry and I, we still stay in contact with each other. We, you know, we talk to each other at least every, you know, two weeks or something like that. But one of the first conversations that Larry had with me, Rich, I was living in, in, you know, corporate housing, and Larry came in, he says, look, you know, we've been friends a long time. I want to sit down with you. If you do this, you do that, you keep your nose clean, yada, 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 you will have a long career at CNN. And, you know, I, I wasn't one of those people that, you know, kind of just brush that off. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, Larry, I'm going to do, you know, I, I took it to heart and I go, Larry, I appreciate that. And I was like, if it worked for Larry, hopefully it worked for me. And as you know, both of us had, you know, a long career. I had, you know, I was there 10 years. I think Larry was there uh, 15 years, but, um, and th those were words that, like I said, I really took the heart and, um, he's, you know, he's, he's more than one of my best friends. He's like a brother to me. And, um, I do, I, I, I have him to thank for so much, you know, to, uh, for all those years at CNN, he, he was really, you know, instrumental in that. Now the downside of working with Larry and I'll, 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 I'll change this course here a little bit on you is that I know Larry, and I've, I've talked to Larry off the off the record courses that Larry, of course, being the main sports guy, took the quote unquote primetime events. He took the Masters, <laughs> he took the Super Bowl and stuff like that. So I guess what was maybe left for you? What, what was maybe one of your highlights of an event that Larry didn't want to cover that that was left for Ray and the other guys to, to take? And I'm here. And I was cool. And, and, and we were all cool with that, Rich. And I was cool with it. You know, I was just like I said, I was just grateful to be working there. Um, and, and in my eyes, Larry earned that, you know, yeah. he was he was the senior guy. Um, he was responsible for getting me there. And so, you know, whatever, you know, I, I was I was cool with it. And mostly the stuff that I did, um, you know, he wasn't a big racing fan. Me having worked in Indianapolis, I was the big uh, gearhead and racing fan. So I got to do a couple of Daytona 500s. They sent me up to Chicago um, one weekend because we used to do a thing called NASCAR Minute at CNN. So we needed some content. They sent me up to uh, Chicago to gather some content for next uh, content for NASCAR Minute. Um, I covered a, uh, you know, he got to do a lot of the, um, he got to do a lot of the uh, major golf tournaments and he got to interview tiger a few times well and, and this is a great story and and again you knew what you were getting into when you asked me to do this because you know i could talk you know i got stories and this is one of my favorite stories so um larry couldn't do the uh, 2007 oakmont or uh, pga uh not the pga championship u.s open it was the u.s open uh in 2007 at oakmont country club in pittsburgh so i cover that and one of the benefits of working at cnn 
was that you would get a one-on-one with the winner, like CNN, ESPN, and I think a couple of other you know networks would get one-on-ones. So that year, um, Tiger and Angel Cabrera were coming down on the final hole. It was it, they were battling out. It had come down to number eighteen. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I think I'm finally going to get my chance to interview Tiger. Yeah, I'm going to get a one-on-one with Tiger. Nope. Tiger hits an Aaron shot on Hill Cabrera wins. And so my one-on-one was with on Hill, nothing against on Hill Cabrera, you know, nothing against him, but I think if anybody had a choice to interview on Hill Cabrera or Tiger Woods, they would choose Tiger Woods. And uh, so I looked at Larry, I go, uh, you jinxed me, man. <laughs> I said, you jinxed me. But um, yeah, and, and I got to, you know, got to cover a, a golf major, did a couple of uh, Major League Baseball All-Star games. And um, so it was just a Kentucky Derbies. I, I, I did a couple of Kentucky Derbies while I was there. So it was, uh, you know, we, we and, and it was a, you know, it was a partnership is what it was. You know, we were all cool with that. I knew Larry was going to do certain stuff. I got to do certain stuff. There was no, uh, there was no animosity like there would be at some other places. You know, everybody was good with that. You know, and and, and it was just that, and I, and I and I guess that was that just goes back to our friendship. I mean, there was other sports guys, and towards the end, it was just uh, you know it kind of whittled down. It was Larry, myself, and then I think one other guy. Um, but it was uh, you know there was never any kind of animosity. I think it was just that brotherhood between Larry and I. Um, you know that there was never there was never any bitterness towards one another. Um, and I, gosh, Rich, and like I said, I've known Larry now 30 years. I don't, there's never even been a disagreement between him. <laughs> it's just, you know, and, and even like, like right now, cause you know, as you know, Larry likes to talk. I yeah. like to talk. If we do step on one another while we're talking, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's one of those things, you know? Now you talk about whittled down there and you, you mentioned that is people know that they, they turn on CNN and I think a lot of network news and we'll, we'll call it that because that's what cnn is they were kind of the leader in terms of 24-hour news and i think they got into sports thinking that was kind of a medium that you needed to include but sure. i think really a lot of their emphasis and if you look at any of those on my on my cable channel they're up in the high high numbers of, of channels they probably are on most people's your cnn's your foxes your your msnbc politics kind of dominates that mm-hmm. and sports got a little bit de-emphasized so no longer at CNN, now at Georgia Farm Monitor, I think if I said that correctly, which to the Illinois listening audience would be kind of like, I guess, the Illinois um, Ag Network and kind of a, would that yeah, be like a similar, Ag Day kind of thing? Would that be a kind of know. a similar comparison as yeah. to how, how important those things are? And yes. You, you now then, originally from Long Island, you lived in Decatur for a little while. When you go to interview for that, is their first question, what do you know about agriculture? <laughs> Can I be honest what I what, what I tell people and I joke and it was funny because when I did start at and, and again yeah it's it's farm monitor television it's it's the farm monitor uh, is the name of the show and we're we're under the Georgia Farm Bureau umbrella okay. we're on uh, like thirteen stations throughout the state of Georgia uh, including the uh, in, including Georgia Public Broadcasting the PBS station throughout Georgia and we're also on um i'm sure a lot of uh, our rural uh you know listeners i've seen i've seen, actually seen one of your shows on the rural tv yes yeah, like RF, rfd tv yeah it's like rfd tv and stuff uh we're on nationally on that um but no and and i jokingly say and people ask me what my ag background is um and i say this lightheartedly uh i said my ag background consisted of uh the occasional underage drinking in the cornfields of decatur illinois <laughs> 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 you know 
chuckle of people. But um, so, yeah, I was exposed to a little bit of it there in Decatur and, you know, ADM, Staley and stuff. Um, and really, I just I, I when I started here, um, I, I didn't know much about agriculture, but I've completely fallen in love with it. I have I can honestly say this and people always say you should never say never. But um, and I think it's I, I think it's just the people that I get to deal with now, you know, the farmers. Um, they are some of the most loyal, down to earth, shirt off your back type of people that you could ever be around. And, you know, move this to the top of the list, the hardest working, uh, you know, group of people that you could ever work with. And like I said, they will bend over backwards for you. They will give you the shirt off their back uh, if need be. I have not, never, ever, you know, met one farmer uh, or producer and have said, man, that guy's a jerk. You know, yeah. I've never said that. They are just, they're thankful that you're there telling their story. They're thankful that, uh, you know, you care about them and that you show an interest. And I can't always say that about the athletes that I've interviewed in years past. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, not that every single athlete I encountered was, uh, you know, was like that, but, you know, as you know, in, in, in the world of, uh, you know, sports media and stuff, you know, you, you, you run into your share of, uh, you know, people you're like, okay, you know, if, if I interview him again, it's going to be too soon. But, uh, you know, farmers and th they're just the best. And, and like I said, I'm going on nine years there now. Um, I love it. I, and I'm learning something every single day. You know, I'm learning something every day that I'm, I'm doing this going out on stories. I get to kind of be myself. I get to be creative. They've given me free reign to do what I want with the show as, as the senior producer. And, um, you know, they entrust me. They, they know that, you know, I know my stuff being, you know, having done this for 30 years now and that I want to take that CNN background, the local TV background, and all that, you know, the, the creativity that I've learned over the years from so many great people and throw it into that to what we do. And uh, the response has been great. You know, we our, our viewership has increased, you know, we're on YouTube now, YouTube numbers have increased, uh, local numbers, uh, as far as, you know, people turning on the TV and watching it on the weekends. Um, that's increased. So, um, you know, we just want to continue doing it and continue uh, to tell the story of, uh, you know, both Georgian and America's farmers if we can, but it, it's, it's great. It, it really is. And um, it's just, it's completely different than what I was doing before. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's rewarding too. I can't, you know, I can't always, a lot of times, you know, I felt like I was going into CNN. I'm like, not that I was ungrateful, don't get me wrong. Cause I, I was very grateful for being there, but you know, again, you're like, am I really making a difference here? You know, I'm not really making a difference. And, um, you know, it's entertaining and stuff, but this is making a difference. This is telling stories. This is getting information out there, um, that people need to hear and need to, you know, hear about farmers and stuff. And so I really enjoy it. it it's just, it's great. I, jo I joked a little bit about with you about, about what do you know about farming? I think at the end of the day, like you just mentioned there, tell, it's about telling stories. And if you've worked in the media and you've been able to have a long career, like you have in the media, it, it shows that you you know how to tell the story. It's just a matter of figuring mm -hmm. out the story is just a little bit different. It's not about a guy winning a major golf tournament or winning sure. the Daytona 500. It's about, you know, how he brought in this crop in particular. So I guess how difficult has this been and what you do in a, in a really an interaction people media over the last year with COVID, how, how have you had to adjust? How, how have you guys found maybe your, your model of doing things has changed? Um, 
you know, for us, because so we're not going into, uh, you know, because we, we tape the show once a week. Uh, we've actually got a whole studio set up there at the Georgia Farm Bureau. Um, it's kind of a, it's a really cool setup, real nice, you know, nice studio setup, uh, control room, you know, booth, everything. Um, you would actually think you're in a, in a TV studio instead of uh, the Georgia Farm Bureau, you know, corporate headquarters. I was already, that was one of the things that really attracted it, you know, attracted the job to me, Rich as why it was so attractive was because, you know, they had all the great gear, things like that. So, um, you know, we, we've been able to, uh, go in once, you know, once a week, tape the show and also work from home. I, I know, you know, our, li the listeners can't, you know, see what, what you see right now, what, you know, on this, but, um, you know, you see, I've got my own setting here and I do a lot of the, uh, a lot of work from home now. Um, if I got a voice, you know, packages or voice stories or something like that, I've got everything here, um, kind of a soundproof in the corner of my, uh, bedroom. So really for us, the show's going, it's, it's, it, it hasn't stopped. Um, there was, I think in the early going of the pandemic, we had to kind of take a break a little bit and had, had some reruns just to kind of figure out how we were going to handle stuff. And then when, you know, we figured out how we could do it and then we assured people that, look, we could do this in a safe environment and still get our work done. Uh, the powers that be said, okay, fine, go ahead and proceed with what you got to do. We just don't want to see you in the building, you know, more than you have to be. Yeah. And that's fine. And, and, and like everybody else, I think they realize they can function now, um, you know, without having a lot of people in the office. Um, and they're like, look, if, if it's working for you guys, just continue doing what you're doing. So, um, but yeah, it, it really hasn't affected this. The pandemic hasn't affected this too bad. Um, not like other stations, you know, we, we try to socially distance Kenny, my co-anchor and I, we try to, you know, social distance when we're on the set. And, um, you know, when you're around farmers and stuff, that's, you know, I always try to wear my mask and, um, you know, if, if they don't, if they feel comfortable putting on their own microphone, you know, I, I was like, look, you can put on. Uh, the microphone if you want so we've uh, we've taken extra precautions and i think every everybody's taking you know safeguards just to make sure uh everybody stays safe and, and we've done a good job and uh, and and there there is the occasional story that i kind of get to use that sports background rich like i did a story in the fall um you know one of the things that i i, I miss covering is you know friday night lights and as you know and especially and i was exposed to this when i you know growing up in illinois there is nothing like Friday night high school football in small town America, especially like farm, you know, like rural Georgia. So I did a whole kind of um, in-depth piece on this small school down in Georgia, which is nothing, which, you know, these, this team is made up of a bunch of farm kids and they are the hardest working, you know, these kids. And as I said, in my story, these kids, you know, their, their work ethic, wasn't developed in some weight room or spring football, you know, uh, doing wind sprints on the football field. It, it started on the farm and that hard work ethic started on the farm. So I was able to kind of tie my sports background into this, which was really into that, which was really cool. So, but uh, yeah, the, the pandemic has an effect of this. It's been status quo and um, you know, we just continue to do what uh, you know, what we can do and uh, just take precautions. Now, for you, I know, um, I think you mentioned it earlier in, in, in the segment that your daughter, you have two children, a daughter and a son. Your daughter is college age. She's a track athlete. Mm -hmm. I know you would have loved for her to come to Eastern. It didn't, didn't work out. I think she had, um, at the end of the day, you look at things financially, too, and she had a good offer from where yep. she's at now. What has it been like for you as, as a father and, and, I guess, a former athlete being able to see your child now 
compete in college. A lot of tears and frustration. <laughs> and, and as you know, um, you know, I, I coached high school football, you know, for, for a while. So there's also, besides dad, there's the coach in me um, that knows her potential. And she will be the first to tell you that um, I was a little bit overbearing when she was, you know, running on the AAU circuit. Matter of fact, other coaches or AAU coaches would have to, you know, sit me down and say, hey, look, you, you need to chill okay <laughs> you need to chill and but when she came to me and she said rich that she wanted to run track in college that was her dream when she finally dedicated herself and she says i'm going to do what it takes i and i told her i said danielle whatever you know if that's what you want to do i will do everything i can to make sure that it happens and as long as you put the work in you know, I'll invest in you both time, money, whatever it takes to, to fulfill your dream. Um, so I was, you know, I was very, very hard on her. I, I, I played dad at the same time, you know, would comfort her if she wasn't having good meets, I'd pump her up. But at other times when I thought that when she was too hard on herself, you know, and got in her head too much, then that's kind of when I got frustrated and said, you know, would, would the coach would kick in and say, get out of your head, especially, be, especially as a former kicker, because kicking is, you know, as I tell people, kicking is 80% mental, yep. um, really athletics in general. I think any athlete will agree. Athlet, athletics in general, Rich, is 80% is mental. The rest is physical, you know, and if you get in your own head as an athlete, um, it's the worst thing you can do. Um, you know, you, you always hear people say, oh, okay, it's, you know, I'm, I'm my worst critic. And you could be your worst critic too much. And she was very hard on herself and she had more potential than she thought she did. And um, I, I knew what her potential was. And, and we did. We actually came down to Eastern um, for a recruiting visit, met with Tom Akers. Uh, but I think, you know, Dan, Danielle knew where she belonged. She, she, wouldn't, she didn't have the time. She's a 400, uh, 400 runner and 400 hurdler. And she knew she didn't have the times for something, you know, to run someplace like Eastern. So that's why, um, you know, she chose Division II, uh, Carson Newman, where, um, she knew she could be, you know, competitive and really kind of, um, she wouldn't get lost in the shuffle, you know, uh, cause she knew she had some work to do. And, um, especially with the, uh, the 400 hurdles, she knew she had some work to do there so she could take her time, learn the craft, get better, um, and have fun in college while at the same time, you know, being able to contribute, um, to a, you know, to a, a small track program like that, as opposed to someplace like, uh, Eastern Illinois, where, you know, she would have a lot of pressure on her or, um, you know, you may get lost in the shuffle um, when you've got so many other speedsters on the team <laughs> flying by you. So, uh, but, uh, you know, we did come down there for a, a recruiting visit and we went to a game. Uh, she got to kind of see the old stopping ground. And, um, you know, that, that, that's not to say, and she's actually majoring in dietetics and nutrition. Um, and I know Eastern's got a great dietetics and nutrition, uh, nutrition program. So once her track career is over, She's got to do two years of grad school. So if she comes up to me and she says, dad, um, I'd love to go to Eastern for grad school. That's when um, uh, the, the box of uh, Kleenexes will come out and the tears <laughs> flowing. Uh, because if I could see her with uh, an Eastern Illinois sweatshirt on as a, as a member, absolutely. You know, as, as a student, uh, grad student at Eastern Illinois, absolutely. Anything I can do. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, Ray, yeah. I, I do appreciate you, you, you joining us here today and taking some time on a, on a Tuesday night. We run these on, on Thursday, so this will be this week's episode. But I want to want to wrap up with you here real quick. I know you played for Coach Spoo, and you and I have talked you know, numerous times about 
Coach Boo and and the great man he was and and those types of things. But I know everybody's always former players always have a great Coach Boo story. And so I'll kind of put you a little bit here on the spot. Oh, you kind of kind of have one that that you kind of remember or. Uh, Ooh. Um, warned yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I I do. As a matter of fact, um, it would have been 1990, my senior year, and it would have been 1990. And um, we were playing at Western Illinois, who at the time was led by uh, a one Brian Cox, who, of course, played many years in the NFL. And um, that game, I had actually went in to kick a it was a 48 yard attempt, came off my foot. Beautiful, Rich. I mean, beautiful. I felt it. I was like, oh, yeah. But I heard two thumps. I heard a thump of the ball coming off. I heard the ball coming off my foot. That was thump number one. The second thump was the ball hitting Brian Cox in his hands because he blocked it, picks it up, and runs it back for a touchdown. <laughs> so that special teams play, I'm sure, was frustrating to Coach Spoo. Then uh, a little bit later in the game, we go down and score, and it was a windy day. I, I was kicking off. He tells me to keep the ball on the ground and to squib it. And... Needless to say, I didn't intend to do it. I accidentally got underneath it too much. The wind caught it. It hung up there in the air, and a guy ran it back. A guy got it and ran it back to, like, our 30-yard line. I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I see Coach Spook, um, oh, I mean, sprinting down the sideline, screaming at me. And, you know, God, may his soul rest in peace. Like I said, I, I love the man like a father. He would probably, if he was, uh, you know, if, if he was still alive, he would probably call me, Ray, I wish you wouldn't tell stories like, but it was a different time. He didn't mean anything by it. Obviously he like grabbed my face mask and yelled at me, you know, face. I was like, I told you to keep it on the ground. <laughs> now, mind you, if you did that to a kid these days, you know, you would probably times have changed. You can't do that anymore because as I've said, and even I could say this as a football coach, kids are so sensitive now. Uh, you can't do that. But you know, look, I messed up. I deserve that. You know, I deserve that. So after the game, and I, and I apologized up and down. I said, coach, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I messed up. I messed up. And so we won the game as we're getting on the bus. Okay. As we're getting on the bus, you remember coach boo used to sit in that front seat yep. as we're getting on the bus him and I make contact and you remember coach with that little childlike grin that he yep. would have. And he had this childlike grin and I go, he goes, Ray. And I go, coach, I said, look, I got to tell you, I want to thank you. You know, when you like grab my face mask, I had a bad night's sleep on that hotel pillow. I had a crick in my neck. You got crick out of my neck. I can't thank you enough for doing that. And he starts laughing and he goes, anytime, Ray. Anytime, <laughs> you know, and then he gave me a big like, you know, grabbed my arm, gave me a big like fatherly love on. And, you know, but that's just um, that's football. You know, that's football. Coaches yell, coaches scream, coaches can grab face masks. Um, and that's just the game of football. And, you know, it's it, 
And, and it's funny because I said to my dad after the game, I said, Hey, I said, you see coach Spoo just like completely go off on me. He goes, yeah, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> you know? So he goes, um, I'm glad he did. He, he, I'm glad he got to you before I did. Cause uh, I would have probably done worse. Yeah. And so uh, that, that was one of my favorite coach Spoo stories, uh, you know, was, was getting reamed by him on the sideline at Western Illinois. And then afterwards we just kind of had a good laugh about it. And he grabbed my arm and kind of gave me that, you know, fatherly, uh, you know, love squeeze of the, of the upper arm and, you know, just kind of patted me on the shoulder as I walked by. And, um, you know, again, he was just, he was an incredible father-like figure, incredible man. Um, and I, I, I think of him a lot. I mean, I, I do think of him a lot. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody the other day about him and, uh, he was just, he was a great mentor, father figure and coach. He really was. That's a great story, Ray, and a great way to end. I do appreciate you joining us here on the uh, no problem. podcast. It was great catching up with you and taking your uh, going through your journey from where you were as a kicker here to where you are now working for the Georgia Farm Monitor under Georgia Farm Bureau. Good. Yeah, there you go. You got it. <laughs> All right. Rich, thanks. Right, thanks I appreciate Ray. it. All right. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>